Eat Prepper podcast. We're recording on October the 9th, 2019. My name's Eric. I'm the host of the show. I'm based in Southern Ontario. I'm a hunter, target shooter, ham radio operator, VE3 EPN, and computer geek. I got into preparedness when I was working frontline emergency services and witnessed an over-reliance on emergency services during major events such as ice storms, power outages, etc. I started a small preparedness company to help people get prepared and to be able to look after themselves for at least 72 hours, if not longer. My name is Ian, and I live on a small hobby farm in BC. I'm an outdoor enthusiast, sports shooter, reloader, field officer for the CCFR, and my farm's designated handyman. Hi, my name is Zach Schwing. I'm a commercial insurance broker out of British Columbia. I work with Capri CMW Insurance. I also look after the firearm legal defense program. Also an outdoor enthusiast uh, and within the insurance world, I specialize in uh, outdoor recreation, adventure tourism, and firearms insurance. Awesome. Welcome to the show, Zach. Thank you for um, having me, guys. If you want to uh, help support the show and keep the Canadian Prepper podcast on the air, uh, you can buy a Canadian Prepper podcast t-shirt at uh, rapidsurvival.com. All the proceeds uh, help keep the lights on and the backup generator fueled. All the cool kids have them, right? I might be actually even sporting mine today, too. So. Oh, look at that. Yeah. Huh? yeah. If you're enjoying the show, please take a few minutes and like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Podcast and submit a review on iTunes, preferably a five-star. Also, we want your feedback, good or bad. Let us know if there's a topic you want us to cover, or if you like or dislike something we're doing, you can email us at feedback at prepperpodcast.ca. So we've got some uh, defensive content for you in this episode. Uh, we're going to start off with some news articles related to preparedness in the outdoors. Uh, next, we'll be letting you know how we've improved our preparedness since our last episode. And we're going to get into the main topic for this episode, firearms legal defense. Let's move into some news. Alrighty, so it's a bit of a happy ending story almost. But uh, I put uh, something in the show notes regarding uh, Eddie Maurice. He was the guy who lives down in Okotoks that uh, was found not guilty of some uh, firearms related charges. When he uh, fired warning shots at an intruder, uh, his trespasser actually decided to sue him for traumatic uh, mental damages <laughs> after breaking into his place and uh, you know him being found not guilty. So they decided to try him in civil court. However, as of today, he's launched a civil countersuit, so that should be interesting. Uh, hopefully, they'll put the kibosh on people trying to get make, you know get rich off breaking into people's houses. That's wild. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's that's that story blew my mind twice. Like the first, the first time, you know, the first time when he, uh, when he made the, like the original, the criminal charge, you know, call the cops because someone's breaking in, fire shot, criminals leave, cops show up two hours later and arrest you. Like, yeah, it's, it's crazy. And how, how definitely appropriate for the episode. I mean, uh, but you know, if these people start seeing dollar signs by suing the people's the house that they were breaking into. I mean, that's just getting crazy. Not just the actual material goods, but just through the civil system. That's crazy. Oh, yeah, and if the courts are going to continue to entertain it, then people are going to continue to sue. Yeah, it's kind of a clown world thing. A little bit. A yep. whole new revenue stream for the for the criminal underworld. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Crazy. Yeah, absolutely crazy. So I've got an article here in regards to a hiker who uh, ended up passing away. Uh, after failing to stop bleeding with a tourniquet out of uh, Michigan, but could happen anywhere because we're all human and we all bleed. Uh, so just a good reminder to know that uh, you've got some equipment with you and how to use it. Uh, I believe, Ian, you were saying this guy was out with a, a makeshift tourniquet versus an actual uh, actual tourniquet. But uh, just a good reminder to make sure that the, the equipment you have is is good and it works and that you know how to use it because uh, worst case scenario, it could, uh, could save your life, right? Yeah, but you're 
what five minutes before he blood out he's probably thinking he probably should have spent the extra 60 bucks yeah just saying yep it's unfortunate it happened but good reminder to everybody out there lesson to be learned have your equipment know how to use it and and spend the extra couple bucks and yeah especially with such a small price difference yeah like six thousand dollar difference okay i can see why someone might get away from it but 60 yeah. bucks is yeah don't don't be a news story <laughs> not for six exactly. not for 60 bucks yep. yeah and that that's for a couple high-end ones too <laughs> yeah anyway yeah hey guys sorry just to, to take a step back to on the a maurice thing i've I mean, I'm going to throw an opinion out because I don't know for sure because I haven't actually spoken to Eddie about it. I haven't spoken to him about any of this. Um, <clears throat> but I have it on good authority. You know, there was some, um, I think there's like a, a GoFundMe type sponsorship thing up for him online somewhere. Um, but I have it on good authority from a, a home insurance underwriting specialist who runs a kind of hard to place program. So if there's going to be somewhere that has a pretty good knowledge of the weird and the wonky, it's her. Um, because the injury was accidental, which was proven on the criminal charges side, there is a good chance that his, if he had home insurance, home insurance has personal liability attached to it. There's a good chance that that liability insurance should provide coverage for this suit. It should cover the duty to defend him through the insurance. So hopefully he's not going to face another financial absolute crisis like i'm sure he i'm sure he faced on the first criminal charge around because obviously home insurance isn't going to cover anything any criminal charge um but like that's i mean that's just a a, an unofficial opinion on it so i know that there was a big fund done up for him on the first go around so hopefully that helped offset whatever legal costs he got from that first go around hopefully this second time around there will be some coverage through home and personal liability Hopefully, I don't know for sure. I'm not going to sit here and tell people to rely on that, but there is a possibility that there that he's not going to hopefully not go broke on all this uh, a second time around. So I just thought I'd throw that in there. Oh, good to know. Yeah, yeah. I just hope that the uh, judge refuses to see the case because if he, you know, and even if the if the home insurance does pay out, now you just incentivize them to actually start suing their victims, right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah no, you're not wrong. Oh, yeah. That's a scary world. Uh, so, let's see. We'll move into uh, what we've done lately for our preps. Uh, or did Zach, did you have a, a news article to toss in or no? No, I was just, I was, mine was, it would have been that Eddie Maurice one as well. So I didn't bother. Okay. I thought I'd just speak to that one because that, that was pretty in line <laughs> with why I'm here. So, <laughs> <laughs> fair enough. All right. So, what we've done lately for preps. Uh, so, myself, I got a bunch of firewood moved from the backyard shed to the garage. Uh, a bunch of people uh, have liked or, or somehow engaged with the photo I, I put up on Facebook in regards to doing that. Uh, so we're, we're good to go now for the, the winter time. Well, like I said in the Facebook post, uh, we're lucky enough here to, to have natural gas for our heating. But uh, we do supplement the odd time with, uh, with the fireplaces to, to help keep the place warm. And, and if worst case scenario, if for whatever reason the gas was to, to stop working or the furnace was to conk out or, or something like that, I got enough sto- uh, firewood stocked up and, and close by in the garage that we can get the fireplaces going and and keep everything warm inside uh, as well. Clean up the security cameras around the house. Um, I know a couple episodes ago, I, I talked about installing them and setting them all up. Well, uh, some some spiders decided to uh, weave some webs in and around them. And I discovered that uh, the IR lights or the infrared lights at that point bounce back at the cameras from the spider web, making the, uh, the night vision not that great. So it was uh, pretty distorted at night during the day, clear as a bell. 
because you can't see the spider webs from the camera. But uh, at night, the IR light was bouncing back pretty bad. So took some time to clean up around those. So uh, good to go again for uh, the cameras at night. And uh, picked up a new treadmill and a little Bowflex type uh, equipment in the basement. Figured I got the little guy coming uh, very soon. So uh, having a workout option in the basement is probably going to be a good idea because I think I'm going to be homebound for, for a little while here while the, we welcome him into the world and, and get him used to uh, used to things outside. Or you just use him as weight after a while. You just like, love the head, you know. Maybe. This is true. Yeah, yeah. I do now. They're only forty pounds. You get like there's something. Right. I don't know. Nice light lift, right? I, li- I like it. Yeah, maybe we'll we'll uh, I'll, I'll talk to my wife. I don't think she'll be as receptive to the idea, but um, oh, yeah. just wait, just wait. <laughs> yeah, you take it off her hand. Take them off her hands for just even fifty minutes. She'll be happy, right? So anyway, <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. Well, for myself, pretty much zero. I've been pretty uh, steady at work lately. Uh, very very little time at home, but good news is my just in time for summer. My summer vacation starts in about a week, so I, I'll have more time to get this stuff uh, uh, clacked off once I'm home. But anyway, uh, one of the few things I have been doing is I've uh, continued with my daily hikes up behind the house just to keep in shape. And uh, since it's the season, I thought I'd just go uh, armed hiking, for lack of a better term. I'd like to call it hunting, but in reality, it's not. Um, and then other than that, so uh, just ordered some reloading supplies. They showed up incredibly fast and. I think I put a, a note up on the page as well for that. And just to keep in line with our last episode. Very nice. And that was it. Nice. I'm I, I'm kind of boring in that way, I guess, a little bit. The one thing um, my wife and I probably we kind of started it six months ago. <coughs> Excuse me. It's like a go, a go box. So, you know, obviously we have a lot of forest fires around here. Um, or, or whatever, whatever can happen where all of a sudden you get in a knock on the door and, you know, the police are saying you need to leave now, grab what you can grab, you know, and go. So we've been, we've got a, a large kind of see-through Rubbermaid container down in the garage that has flashlights, batteries, um, oh God, what the hell it looks like, I can't remember the, the terminology, like just like those, uh, the, the add water and you can eat them. Um, kind of like the army packs for food and yeah, blankets, some cash, just, just everything, like anything that you would want to have. If all of a sudden you had to leave your house with the clothes on your back, grab a box and go. So I've been working on it for the last six months. I mean, I, I say the Royal, we, my wife has been working on it for the last six months. <laughs> um, and I carry the stuff down to the garage for her, but yeah, it's kind of, that's definitely something we've been focused on for the last six months. Just, we had a fire start. I mean, I live, for those who are no Kelowna, I live in, in Glenmore, so I'm by no means out in the wilderness, but we had a fire start 300 feet from our house up on a hill because some kids were playing with a with some matches um, two summers ago. So all of a sudden it was just, it was real. The fire was right there. Luckily they got it taken care of. But so yeah, that was our, that's what we've been doing is focusing on that. Something we can grab and go should we have to grab and go for whatever reason. Perfect. I see you're, you're well ahead of most. If it makes you feel better, I, I shamelessly steal my wife's uh, work as part of my credit too, so it's, it's all good. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah, you're, not a good, you're not a good husband if you don't. Part of the keto episode. That's right. right. <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, the canning episode too. She, that was oh, yeah, that's but, right. Yep, yep. But we, <laughs> we, impre- we appreciate all of her knowledge. <laughs> yeah. It's very, it's very helpful. Well, let's uh, let's move into the main topic of the show. All right. So uh, basically, the reason we're talking about this is uh, in Canada, maybe it's similar to the states, but not as bad as the states. We seem to get uh, 
a little bit different legal system. It's not always friendly to the victim. A lot of times we get uh, what they call punishment by process. So uh, you might not have actually done anything horribly wrong, but in order to deter certain behavior, sometimes they throw a lot of nuisance charges at you to run up your legal bills, cause stress, you know, uh, prevent you from doing certain actions they'd rather have you not do. So uh, in regards to firearms, the, you know, the problem is, is that as soon as you interact with the police, uh, you're generally going to run into potential safe storage charges, which is almost like a, uh, a guaranteed first charge if something goes horribly wrong. If you look at the uh, Ian Thompson case or the Gerald Stanley case, the Eddie Maurice case, uh, they all started off with safe storage charges and then went forward from there. So um, there's a lot of things to fight. So, you know, talking about insurance, I think is probably a good way to mitigate the th kind of take away a stressor, I guess, a problem. What do you guys think? Here's Alan. Oh. E evening, gang. Hey. Apologize uh, for later. Yeah, so yeah, I think you're you're bang on there, Alan or uh, Ian is. Um, yeah, it's there's there's lots of things that can go wrong, especially with uh, firearms ownership, and it's a good idea to to kind of have a, a plan in place or, or something in the back pocket that you can use if uh, yeah. if worse comes to worse and, and something does happen, you can follow all the rules and, and cross all the T's and dot all the I's, but being prepared for uh, for the paperwork influx is uh, certainly something that's important. Yeah, so Zach, how long has the uh, firearms legal defense uh, uh, policy been working on, been in operation now? So the program, we just, I think we just, yeah, October 2012, so we would have just finished seven years now, um, was kind of when the when the program initially started, and um, I myself have been involved with it for uh, just over four years. Um, but yeah, so, so October 2012 is kind of when, uh, when the idea was born, it was actually, it's funny you mentioned Ian Thompson. Cause I think if I remember correctly, I haven't talking, I haven't spoken to, uh, to Brian recently, but to the gentleman who kind of came up with the concept for it, but I believe that case was kind of the catalyst that went, okay, hold on a second. Gun owners are at a serious disadvantage here because they can be held with all sorts of random charges. Um, and then it's their responsibility to foot the bill to protect themselves. I mean, I think if you read the news on Ian's, I think he said, you know, he paid $60,000 of his own money to defend himself. Um, and that story was absolutely crazy how he was attacked at home. So that was kind of the catalyst for the program. So what's the, uh, what's the goal of firearm legal defense? Uh, so yeah, it just kind of goes in line with what I, what I mentioned that it, it was, it was built to protect gun owners from falling victim to what you said, the punishment of the legal process. Um, hey, I'm, I'm following this crazy, complicated, uh, gray firearms law, and I'm following it to a T, and for some reason, I got charged regardless. I got charged anyways. So that is essentially what it was for, is protecting people who follow the law and seem to get charged anyways, which is what firearms owners, yeah, firearms owners seem to be facing regularly now. And uh, are all your services available to, to all Canadians or just specific provinces or, or territories? Yeah. So as long as you have your PAL uh, or restricted, uh, it doesn't matter where in Canada you live, but it, you have to be in Canada. It's just nothing down into the U.S. So. Uh, so a PAL is required. So you're not uh, you're not insuring the criminal. <laughs> PAL is required. Yeah. <laughs> Adam, <Adam>. Excellent. <laughs> since, since, since I'm just catching up, what services does Firearms Legal Defense provide? So, uh, Try not to go on too much of a tangent here. So, a couple of points. <laughs> um, if you're ever wrongfully charged with improper use, storage, 
transportation, display, or handling of a firearm. If your firearm's license is ever suspended, canceled, or declined to be renewed. If you're ever injured by somebody with a firearm, then, then we'll provide you with, with a lawyer and we'll cover your legal costs uh, from dollar one. And then I'll go over the limits in a second because there's options. So that's the kind of the core of the program. And then a service that comes with the program, which to me is actually one of the best parts of the program, is you also get unlimited telephone legal advice. So if you want to talk to a lawyer over the phone about any personal legal matter, not just gun questions, probate, tax, property, personal, divorce, anything, you can get on the phone with a qualified Hmm. lawyer and you can use that service unlimited all day, every day. And that doesn't have an impact on your policy because it's not a claim. It's just a free service you gain access to. So anything. Go ahead. Property to to whatever personal legal matter. Any personal legal matter is the telephone legal advice can be used for. And then the one the last piece of to me, that's like, I love that part of the program. And then one last little piece that kind of goes in line with the, um, the core legal product is also lost wages. So if you, uh, if you have to miss work because of a court date or a deposition, or anything like that, we'll cover up to lost wages up to 500 bucks a day to a max of up to $10,000 per claim. Okay. Impressive. But just to make sure that it does not dip. Cover a negligent act, right? Just to make sure that somebody doesn't think exactly. We're not looking to pr- cover. <laughs> yeah, so if you go and intentionally, we're not looking to cover law. criminals here, right? Now, yeah. exactly. Now, the other thing, also, people that sometimes can get confused is, okay, well, if you're charged for improper storage, and you thought you were doing it right, but you were doing it wrong, well, that like you you you're breaking the law. As as. See, people, some people might argue that, but mm. if you are breaking the law with storage, for example, let's say you're not out robbing a bank, you thought you were following rules, you got charged. What would most likely happen in a situation like that with the program is we would assign a lawyer who would just help you to mitigate it as best you can. We're obviously not going to provide a full defense because after the after the lawyer reviewed your case, you yes, you were in fact storing that firearm illegally. So one, use the telephone legal advice to find out proper storage laws so you're following them. And two, if you get improperly charged, you're covered. If you get charged because, and you were actually not storing properly, well then yeah, we'll, we'll assign a lawyer and they'll basically just kind of help you mitigate as best as possible. Interesting. Yeah. So any plans to expand the coverages and services in the future? Yeah, so we're always looking at, at new ways to build the program. Um, I mean, if you even take a step back, uh, the program started 2012 with $100,000 in coverage per per policy. Um, no additional options, no coverage for if you were injured by somebody with a firearm. I also forgot to mention the coverage does extend to anything stemming from archery as well. So the, co- oh. the coverage does extend to archery as well. Um, and that wasn't, a, that wasn't a thing. So when the program first started, it was $100,000 per claim. Um, the charges, the licensing, and the telephone legal advice. Since then, we have improved it up. The base is $250,000 per claim. Uh, we've added the personal injury. We've added the, um, the extension to archery, all without changing the price. So as we found ways to bolster and improve the program, we've taken advantage. And then we've also added additional options for upcharges if you want to add a family extension or if you want to increase your limits up to the higher than the two hundred fifty, we've been able to add those additional options for additional premium as well. So 
that's kind of our, what our, our track record is. I'm always looking to find new ways to improve the program. We are working on a couple things right now. I won't, I won't go into them because they're not concrete. So there's no point in getting people excited about something I can't say for sure is coming, but absolutely we're doing it. There's two major improvements that I'm working on right now. Um, for the next for the next prepper podcast I join, I guess maybe. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta keep them. Like there you go. Well, we we always need uh, more podcast ideas. So you're Absolutely. There you go. So, what what are these relating to to the preppers in the in the that are listening? What are the benefits specifically for them? So, I mean, we were kind of talking a little bit about about the like the financial burden and kind of before we started even, and I think that's where the um where this comes in for pre- the preparedness side of things is having that coverage to know that if this does happen, you all of a sudden aren't going to be out five, 10, 15, 20 grand, or even worse, you don't have the money to hire a lawyer. So you have to kind of roll over and take maybe a peace bond or forfeit your firearms for 10 years, maybe not life. So that's where I kind of envision this coming in to protect, to help people with preparedness is 95 bucks a year. Now you don't have to worry about that. You don't have to be concerned with getting financially obliterated like like Eddie Maurice, like Gerald Stanley, like Ian Thompson, knowing that you kind of have this peace of mind behind you for a very small cost. That really is not a, not a huge cost at all. That's no, not at all. Well, you think about it, co- yeah, a few boxes of ammo or you know a single shot shotgun, what it costs versus you know this. This is like <laughs> good peace of mind, right? You know, it's, when you're talking about cost savings and peace of mind, I mean that's that's two of the tenants right there. You know, good preparedness that. You're covering off with 95 bucks, so yeah, yeah absolutely, and uh, or less reliance on the man, I guess, if you don't have a public defender. So, <laughs> but hey, uh, just out of curiosity, what kind of uh, common charges have you seen come across your desk, like yeah, that you've defended clients, uh, defended for clients? So, I mean, the, there's uh, there's two answers to that question. So, one of the main one of the um, claims that we have that to, to speak to. So, we've had. I think we're around 15 claims. We've got a couple open right now. Unfortunately, there's only two I can speak of right now um, because we need clients' permission to talk about them. They're legal matters. And believe it or not, not a lot of these guys want their names or stories in the paper after they've gone through it because they've already gone through the crap. They don't, they're not interested in sharing their story, which is tough. So we do have the one story, uh, fortunately, that Alexi was willing to share, and that was a simple uh, improper storage. So the uh, officer came in saw the firearms that he had were being stored, thought they were restricted because they were tactical in, in nature. Thought they were restricted, went, oh, that's not stored properly and charged them with improper storage. So he had a policy with us. He called, we assigned the lawyer. Long story short, obviously all the charges were dropped because they were non-restricted. They were being stored completely in accordance with law. Um, and we covered the bill. Now, the interesting thing is, despite the fact that those charges were completely false, that claim was still, it was just under 15 grand. It was 14,000 and change. Oh, and, wow. And I did the math. Um, I think your your standard criminal defense lawyer is going to charge anywhere from 500 to 1,000 bucks an hour. With the program, we pay. Yeah. So with the program, we obviously, our lawyers um, that we partner with, we don't pay them that much. They take a lower hourly weight because of the, because well, obviously because they're going to get guaranteed to get paid first of all. And because they're dealing with a bulk program. Um, so we would pay about 40% less than that. So our cost for the claim was about a little over 14 grand. So I had that guy had the lawyer up himself. It would have most likely been significantly higher. Wow. Yeah. Now, so that's one claim that we covered. 
one of the most common phone calls I get, whether they're a client or not, unfortunately, I get a lot of phone calls from people who aren't clients who are just seeing if they can, if we can help them after the fact, which unfortunately is just not the case, um, is actually uh, uh, divorce, divorce proceedings gone sideways, especially when there's kids involved. Um, we actually just got a call on Monday from, uh, believe it or not, from a lady. Um, whose husband had called in and uh, made some allegations. I'm not going to sit here and say whether they're true or false. I don't know. Um, but that phone call prompted the police to go down to her house, take her license, take her firearms. Go on. Yeah, public safety uh, concern. That's an that's yeah, easy that's phone it. call to make, right? Yeah. Yep. That's, I think it's like, I think I remember reading it's like section 107 or something like that, where if the police think that the claim is dangerous enough, they can just go down and take it. So just like that. One phone call. No, no substantiate, no evidence, just a phone call and they're gone. So fortunately she has a policy with us. So that'll be something that we're going to be helping with. But that is such a common phone call I get from people who don't have a policy and say, this happened. Now it's gone sideways. Can you help? And I, you know, you can't buy theft insurance for your car after it's stolen. Cool. So that's, that's, no, it's essentially the same thing, right? People trying to buy a policy after the fact. And it's like, unfortunately, it doesn't work that way. Spend the 95 bucks ahead of time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what are some uh, common misconceptions that uh, firearms owners in Canada have that you've oh, seen? We've been, <laughs> we've been doing a lot of um, uh, Facebook advertising lately, which has just been, oh, love the comments. They're just so fun. <laughs> I find I, 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 I type and then I delete and then I type and then I delete and then I just go, thank you for your comments and then I leave it at that. But, um, a lot of people, oh, well, just follow the law and you should never have a problem. That's ah, the most common one. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Why do I need this? So I follow all the rules. I should never need this. That's like, and then every variation of that same point. Follow laws are written per- to be purposely vague so that they are except- ex- explicitly open to interpretation. Well, it's impossible then, to follow the law. And then you come back to the punishment of the process, or you come back to something as simple as the charging officer. Just you can't. Ex- I don't expect people to know every single facet of their job, especially nope. if, obviously. Think about how much laws there are that have to follow in Canada or know in Canada. Like the perfect example of even the claim we defended. I don't know for sure if that police officer was being malicious or if he genuinely thought the firearm was restricted. He might not be a big gun guy, so he might not really know. It just might have been a black gun. It might have been something that he souped up kind of after with some cool aftermarket furniture, and it looks tactical, so it must be restricted. So he charges. He thinks he's doing the right thing, and he's not even being malicious in that case. So that's a common one. Follow the law, and you'll you'll never have a problem. And that's, yeah, that's the common one. Well, that, that's also the key, I think, you should pre-show there, too, is that, you know, police officers have to know about 16 different sets of laws, whether it be the Highway Act or the Firearms Act, and, yeah. you know, they, they can't be experts in everything. So if he, like so he's not being malicious. He's just better safe than sorry, or you know, covering his butt from you know orders on high or whatever. And yeah, his hands are kind of tied sometimes too, right? I've had a all like God sorted out. Yeah, I had a conversation with a conservation officer even um, um, about off roading. So it wasn't a firearms related thing, but the the mentality of the point was was the same. Was that well, you know, out here there's uh, I argue with conservation officers about the helmet restrictions within a side by side. So you can use the Off-Road Vehicle Act out here, in my opinion, to argue both points effectively. You can use one part of the act to argue that you don't need one. You can, use the, you can argue with the act that you do need one. You can argue both sides of this point. And I remember him saying, well, I'll just charge him. And then it's the court's, it's the court's responsibility to figure out whether he's guilty or not. And I just couldn't believe that the words, like those words came out of his mouth. 
Because that was yeah. very scary words. Really? Like, <laughs> you do realize lawyers, that's five grand. Retainer, five grand right there. What if he doesn't have five grand? Um, and that's just the retainer lawyer. Like, then the cost is so, yeah, it's like that part has always been a little bit scary to me is is the the, the unknown. Just because you're following the laws doesn't mean at all that you're not, you can't run into issues still. There you go. Common misconception. And, and don't even get me started on magazine laws. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's just begging for some charges, no matter what, even if they're wrong. So I'd ask you if you still have all your Butler Creeks, but I won't make you perjure yourself on the on my, my what? Never heard of them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, there you go. So, so yeah, that's that's the biggest one for me because it's just like not to to beat a dead horse here, but just yeah. If if that's your if that's your mentality, great. Don't call me when something happens and ask if there's something I can do to help, yeah. um, because I can't. Um, and yeah, I just get that a lot. So somebody who's looking to somebody who's, who's taken their, maybe they've taken their course. They're, they're going to take their PAL course. They're going to get their license. They're going to buy some, they're going to buy their first gun. Yep. Um, what's, what's the best piece of advice you can give them? Mine would simply be, don't think that once you pass the course that you're good to go. Um, I think being a gun owner in Canada is an ongoing process. Familiarizing yourself with the laws, checking to make sure or watching if anything changes um having a lawyer on speed dial having a firearm legal defense policy but just yeah people i think people like a lot of people that are especially someone who maybe is new to the sport whether it's sport shooting or hunting and maybe they don't have a family background so they just you know they've gotten they've gotten older and all of a sudden it's something that interests them but they have they've never grown up around it so they don't kind of have that base that maybe some of us do have um just because you pass your CFSC and got your pal doesn't mean you're good to go. Like if you're going to be a responsible gun owner, it's a, it's an ongoing evolving uh, process that you would need to constantly be constantly be in tune with hunting regulations, change gun ownership. Well, geez, look what's going on right now, right? Gun ownership laws are could potentially change dramatically. Um, so that's kind of, that's what I would say. Like I said, it's an ongoing, it's a, it's an ever evolving um, uh, hobby. So you can't just pass the course and then, think that you're good for the rest of your life is uh is, is keeping abreast of those changes is that something that the that the fire and legal defense plan covers like does that you'll send out an email blast to your members and say hey this is uh this has changed make sure you're in compliance yeah so we try to what i do kind of further than that is recommend that people join firearms associations and keep up to date with emailers and stuff like that you know obviously i try to this is not my only thing so i don't i can't put my entire focus on this and make sure even i'm constantly updating everyone with what i know so that's where your firearms organizations that's that's literally what they do that's what they're there for that's what the 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 members there or the the staff at those organizations get paid for so join one join all if you can i mean the reality is if you joined all three it would be 100 and 130 bucks a year i think if you added all three organizations memberships together um the three main ones at least obviously there's tons of on you know tons of uh, provincial hunting federations and all that kind of stuff as well but that's where i would push people we try to as best we can but i would always push people to do to go that road as well they're going to do a better job of that than i am <laughs> i'm always i was blown away though you know out of three million estimated uh, gun owners in canada they have i think it's thirty-five thousand members at ccfr right now i mean 10 percent. i mean if only every gun owner actually went ahead and joined one or all it'd be uh, quite the voting block to deal with, right? Oh, right. Imagine, imagine the difference. 
Oh, anyway, uh, as a CCFR field officer, I have to ask because uh, you know we have a legal defense uh, policy as well um, and legal advice thing. Um, can you, you just tell me how the? Yeah, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Anyways, uh, just so, so as far as that goes, uh, how do you guys differ from the uh, what the CCFR is offering? Yeah, so the CCFR is actually just our old our old program uh, before we did all the updates, um, just with a different picture on the front. So to kind of break it down, um, li the limits would be different. So the CCFR limit is, I think, 150000 per claim. Our base is 250000 per claim. Uh, we include that coverage, that additional coverage for personal injury, which is not included on the CCFR. Um, our coverage extends to archery, which is doesn't extend on the CCFR. Um, we have the uh, higher option limit. So if you wanted to go to a million dollars per claim, we have that option available. Like I said, I'll go over the pricing all at once. Um, and then we also have a family option. So spouse, dependent children um, with a pal in the household, we've got a flat option to cover everybody under one policy, which that option isn't available uh, through CCFR. Um, the price comparisons are close, but ours is still coming in, um, obviously, uh, at a more competitive premium. So the one thing that I always, that I think there's a misconception and it's not really talked about, or it's not really super advertised, but, um, the, the CCFR is two, you'll see, I think they have two, one's 92 and one's 16. So one is legal expense and one is telephone legal advice. The $92 one comes with telephone legal advice, but it's restricted only to firearms questions. So if you want, an, I mean, you can't get an equivalent to ours with CCFR, but if you want to get as close as possible, you'd have to buy both the legal expense at the 92 as well as the telephone legal advice at the 16 if you wanted something that was close to ours. Um, whereas ours, I guess, mentioned, well, okay, I'll play into this now with the pricing. So um, ours is $95 a year uh, for the base coverage, but we also offer discounts. So if you're a member of CSSA, NFA, CCFR, we'll do a $10 discount. So that brings it down to $85 a year for anyone who's a member of a firearms association. Um, and then obviously, unfortunately the man takes his piece in certain provinces. So I think the most expensive province is about $91 and 80 cents. I think is Ontario with tax or I think maybe Quebec might be a bit more. Um, Sorry, but yeah, nine, so $91 in taxes. No, no, no. After tax. 85 oh, plus after tax. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. So, yeah, I think that after tax is $91.80. So, depending on the province, I think BC, Alberta would be 85 Saskatchewan, Manitoba, BC, Ontario, Quebec, they're all going to vary a couple of dollars based on their provincial tax rate. So, so to summarize, yeah, it's ours has got higher limits, broader coverage, and it's cheaper, I guess, is the, the summary to take away from that. Cool. That's pretty good. So, this... Uh, <laughs> Similar idea to uh, second call defense in the U.S. or what don't you cover? So I had a look. I had a look at second call defense. I mean, it's always tough to compare um, products in different countries, especially with the U.S. because we're just not the same. Um, one thing, or there was, there was two things in there that kind of jumped out. One was they cover civil, um, which is kind of interesting because in Canada, like I mean, use the Adam Marie's case for example. There's a civil suit. Um, that will most likely be covered under his home insurance liability. So <clears throat> I don't know what the, I don't, un, I don't quite know why they offer it down there or why that would be the case. Maybe it's so you don't have to rely on anything else. You just know you have that no matter what. So that's something that we don't unfortunately offer through ours as well as that. Another one jumped out was the bail, which is a money guarantee. 
which is something I've been told we can't do in Canada as far as insurance products. We can't guarantee. A, a, I didn't quite understand exactly. I just was told we couldn't do it. You'd have to be um, a surety for them at that point. Something, yeah. So that was the, the fact that you're, you're gonna they're gonna follow all the rules, right? Yeah. So that was the two things that kind of jumped out at me. Um, and then obviously just the whole conversation around self-defense between Canada and the U.S. is just not going to be, <laughs> it's just not the, not the same conversation, right? I think if you read their mail, it's like, shoot, call the cops, call us. Um, yeah. Right? Uh, the, like, best, the best part too is that at the end of the process there, if you're found innocent and they don't get their gun back from the police because it's been destroyed or kept in the evidence locker, they'll buy them a new gun. <laughs> that was awesome. <laughs> But yeah, not quite Canada. Yeah, and then also just—I mean—the reality is two volume, right? Like, if your program has 100, 200,000 members in it, you're going to be able to do a whole hell of a lot more and offer a whole lot more coverage because your premium's that much bigger, right? So, um, but yeah, that was an—that was—that was an interesting one because I know um, even down in the U.S., the the NRA thing that happened about—it's a little over a year ago now, but they have there's a couple of products like that down there. I think there's like Texas Legal Shield. Uh, the the second call that you had mentioned, there's um oh shoot, what's the other one? There's two or three other ones all over the states, and the NRA has a version of it. Um, and I I don't know all the details surrounding it, but on a, on a high note, basically, whatever was included in their program was actually illegal uh, to offer on as an insurance product in this in uh, the state of New York. So oh. they got in huge trouble over it. Their broker got sued. I want to say it was like $2 million. Um, all of the Lloyd's markets, all of the insurance markets kind of that backed the product. I think there was, I think when I read the article, there was like eight, they each got like a half a million dollar fine a piece. Um, so it was a massive, it was a massive thing. And it actually sent ripples around the products all over the world. Um, which, and then it made a lot of Lloyd's markets get out of the market. So even for example, um, DAS, which is the the program that backs the CCFR program, um, but I had also used them in the past for some legal expense products for um, firearms businesses. Um, DAS told me that they were told they have to get out of firearms everywhere in the world because DAS is actually a big worldwide company. They actually started in Europe, but their their uh, you know their backing market, their the, the father you could call them of that company has basically put the kibosh on firearms all over the world. And they're not, they're not the only one. There's quite a few London markets that have basically said, Nope, nothing to do with firearms. We're done. Um, which has definitely been an interesting conversation for me to have. Cause I'm going, okay, well, hold on. Um, you're, you're coming to me with a American problem and applying it to Canada. You don't apply earthquake risk in Saskatchewan based on Vancouver. So why would you apply gun situations in Canada based on the U.S.? It doesn't even make sense. So that NRA thing has been has actually been a thorn in my side. So like, fortunately, we've been able to navigate it, but it was definitely a thorn there for a little bit. Hey, can you talk to our politicians about that? Not mention what happened to the states in Canada. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, no, it's actually that's one thing we do have on the states is the fact that our, our rules are kind of the same nationwide because it's for now, quote unquote, for now it's a federal system. So yeah, yeah, that's that's kind of a nice thing actually. That it is. is. That's, what, that's what makes it complicated in the U.S. is because, yeah, you're going to get you get dramatically differing gun laws from state to state. Yep. Um, and then even if I understand it correctly, even within a state, um, you could have dramatically different gun laws from municipality to municipality. Or um, sheriffs that won't comply. If there's new laws, they'll say, yeah. no, uh, no our, our county does not recognize that new law. I mean, they can do it. Yeah. So it's 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 nice having that here in Canada, knowing that, you know, we have one rule. 
that governs the country. That way, it's just there is so much less confusion. That's why that whole handgun ban, if it's you know allowed, if, if it's left up to municipalities, is could be very confusing if nothing oh, else. It's already confusing enough as it exactly. is. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Don't need to complicate it more. No. Exactly. So, and just because I, I came in late, is this upfront coverage or is this only you know, found innocent coverage? Yeah. So, if you're uh, when you get a policy, you get everything email, all your documentation is emailed to you within about two minutes. So, you get your declaration pages, you get your policy wordings. Um, on the very first page of the policy, you can print it off. There's a little wallet card that you can cut out, and that'll have your policy number as well as the one eight hundred number. The one eight hundred number for the claims. There's always someone there to answer it. If you're calling at 12 o'clock in the morning with a general legal question, they're going to take your info, pass it to telephone legal advice, and they'll obviously get back to you the next business day. But there's always a lawyer on call for any emergency situations. So if you find yourself under arrest, being asked to give a statement, you call the number. They'll put you in touch with the lawyer right away. Uh, and then we cover from dollar one. So the, the lawyer, you'll never actually see a lawyer bill. The lawyer will send their bills directly to the insurance company. Oh, okay. uh, and there's also no deductible either. So it's just dollar one. You make the phone call. The the um, situation gets reviewed. If it's a legitimate claim, then lawyers assigned. You're good to go right off the bat. And yeah, you should never see an actual lawyer bill because they'll bill the insurance company directly. Now, is that call to the lawyer specifically for firearms related uh, offenses or is that cover off arrest for anything? Uh, no, that, I mean, you could use the telephone legal advice for obviously for anything, but to get the actual uh, lawyer assigned and covering your legal costs, that goes back to the, you know, improper use, storage, transportation, display, licensing right. issues, that sort of thing. So, right. uh, is there any history of charges for expired licenses? I know, uh, the code says it's a big deal, but has ever, anyone ever been charged? Do you know? I don't, I haven't heard of anything. So I, I want to say, I don't know for sure, but I haven't heard of anything. Um, I've got a pretty good relationship with some of the more well-known lawyers across the country um, in the criminal defense firearm side, and I've never heard anything. So, not to say there hasn't been, I just I haven't heard of it um, as far as um, as far as a license expired. Um, one thing I have seen, and we've actually there's some um, claims that we're looking at dealing with on it, is um, client charged, charges dropped, client goes to renew their license later on. And they're declined because of the charges, even though the charges have been dropped and the client was never like nothing. They walked out scot-free. Um, there's a couple situations where the CFO is refusing to renew the license because that happened. doesn't matter that you, whether you were innocent or guilty, you were, you were charged. So we don't want to give you your license back. Hmm. So we, that is something we are, we are seeing and are dealing with um, right now. Interesting. Yeah. It's more of that punishment by process thing I was mentioning, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, okay. Just to give an example, say if I uh, I live in BC and I go over to Alberta to a podcast or charity shoot, and I run into some trouble with John Law, I uh, just want to make sure your coverage extends across Canada, not just where we live. Correct. Yeah, it's the territorial limit is Canada. So the second you cross the border to the US, no, absolutely not. Um, but like I said, yeah, anywhere in, in Canada, it's not. If you're in BC and you have a policy in BC, you're not restricted to BC. So okay. Awesome. Fair enough. Yeah. So I just, and then, so yeah, just to quickly, I'll, I'll speak to the cost now and just kind of round them all up. So um, base coverages, so $95 a year will get you up to 250000 per claim. $195 a year will increase that limit to a million dollars per claim. One asterisk to that I will note is that both policies have an annual maximum of a million dollars. So the most of the policies will pay out in a year is a million. 
So what you're gaining by upping maybe to the plus is a per claim. So if you have one really big claim, that's where that higher limit is going to come in. That's a really big limit. I'll tell you guys the story about the limit in a second. Um, but yeah, both are both will have an annual max of a million dollars. All right. Um, $40 a year is what the cost is to add the family extension. So that's a $40 flat charge regardless of how much family. So if, uh, if you have a wife and three kids that are all under 25 at, at home, and they all have their PAL, that $40 will extend to all of them. It's not 40 bucks per family member. Does that extend the 250,000 and the million or is there, can it only no, be applied? So everyone, to everyone will still share the, the annual aggregate, but everyone will have their own per claim limit. So that's gotcha. important, important to note. So if you do want to have your own annual limit, then you'd want to buy that family member the, the full, their own full policy. Um, also, we don't need to take any information. So if you wanted to get, add your family, you just say yes, and they're covered. Um, we cover them by having definitions of what spouse and dependent children mean built into the policy. So no need to sit there and type wife, three kids, names, date of birth information. You click yes, they're covered as long as they meet the criteria. And our definition, awesome. our definition of spouse is pretty broad. It actually kind of made me giggle while I was reading through it. So. <laughs> Um, some guys would be like, no, we're not married. But like, well, in our policy, you're married. So, um, <laughs> and then, so, and then we offer that discount. So, uh, $10 a year, um, any firearms associations, uh, same thing, prevent a lot of the uh, provincial hunting associations will offer discounts for, um, flat, flat discount. Everyone will offer the same $10 discount. Um, we never wanted to make the program. The program was always developed to protect gun owners, not necessarily certain gun owners. So we always offer kind of the same discount regardless of relationship or association. Um, so that $10 applies to either the 95 or the 195. So to bring that down, the $40 for the family is just flat. There's no discounts associated with that. So, and then, yeah, then like I said, certain provinces, uh, yield government will take their percentage. So yes, uh, the, the yeah. man's got to get his share, right? Yeah. Anywhere from six to 8%, I think, depending on the province. So, so there you go. Uh -huh. Well, that's a lot of information. That's really important information too. And uh, yeah. um, I think that's that's a good time to bring us to the podcast challenge. I think it absolutely right? is. And I think uh, an excellent challenge for this week is to take some time to review your policy, make sure that you're covering all your assets, um, sit down with, uh, talk with your broker, I would imagine is probably the best start, and then get a second opinion. I'm sure Zach would be more than happy to help you with that. Uh, make sure that you're properly covered for as many eventualities as possible. He's not paying me to say that just for the record. Actually, I uh, that up on my I'll, I'll put some points. I'll put some points. But interesting points because you see the conversation a ton on CGN, especially Facebook, everywhere. Um, you know this. Part, so I'll take a step back. So fire and legal defense for everyone watching, downloading who wants to look. We put our full policy wording right on the website. So if you go to firearmlegaldefense.com, you scroll to the bottom, you'll see a little icon in the bottom left corner. That's the full policy wording. So if you want to read the fine print before you buy it. You can. You can read right through it. Um, you guys are going to provide my contact information, so if anyone has any questions about that, yeah, you call me, you email me, regardless. You just speak to me. You're only going to get me with the questions. You're not going to get a call center on that. So um, when it comes to kind of the next part you th said about covering your assets and stuff like that, that's, you know, with regards to gun owners and home insurance, from what I've seen in the research that I've done so far, firearms are no different are on your home insurance policy then your forks, your knives, your socks, your pants, your underwear. They're contents. So your contents limit should reflect 
everything you have in contents, including your firearms. Now, the is that the, the value that I tell my wife that they're worth or the contents they're actually worth? Your contents, depending no, on your worth, policy, worth way more than that. Yeah. <laughs> depending on your policy, it should be replacement cost. So what it costs for you to go out and buy it brand new. Not necessarily what you paid for it. Okay. Okay. Um, one asterisk to that is I've heard, I have not seen it, but I've heard it. Some policies might consider firearms sporting goods. Insurance, home insurance policies, almost all of them do have a sublimit on sporting goods. So it's important to check that piece on your policy. Do fire do, does, do firearms fall in the definition of sporting goods on your policy? If they do, there's a great chance you've got like a fifteen hundred or twenty five hundred dollar sublimit on your home policy that covers sporting goods. Which, I mean, yeah, that, I mean, any guy with any small collection, even that's not going to be enough. So that's one thing to look for. What are firearms considered? Contents or sporting goods? If they're sporting goods, check your sublimit. If they're contents, just look at your overarching contents limit. The other aspect. Oh, more about the liability than than the than the replacement cost, though, right? Like that's that's the big concern. Is no, I mean, yes and no. Like, there's no specific exclusions within a homeowner's policy for use of a firearm. Okay. Like, if you're a hunting, if you're a hunting and you accidentally shoot somebody, your home policy will respond to that. Okay. I've never heard, never seen uh, uh, any uh, any exclusion that would fall into accidental shooting, just bodily injury, right? Okay. So, so then, then the then the the advantage of the firearm legal defense is more about the legal coverage rather than the insurance coverage. Yeah. So, look at it from this perspective. Um, all the associations, um, I'll plug the CSSA because I look after their program, so I know for a fact it's the best program because I did it. Um, <laughs> um, uh, Tony owes me for that now. So, um, but so every firearms association will come with liability for shooting activities. So if you hurt, liability is if you hurt somebody or you damage somebody's property, you're negligent and you get sued. That's what your liability is for. Your home insurance liability will also respond to some of that. Firearm legal defense goes in partnership with that. It's legal charges, not necessarily stemming from a bodily injury or property damage. So you just get charged with improperly transporting your firearm to the range. Your home insurance liability is not going to respond to that because no one's been hurt. No one's property has been damaged. That's okay. where firearm legal defense will come in. So legal charges not stemming from a liability situation. So they actually, go hand, they actually go hand in hand. What a liability policy covers, FLD doesn't. What FLD covers, your home insurance doesn't. Okay. So they're kind of going awesome. hand in hand. The other, there's one other, there was one other asterisk I wanted to mention. Now I've, I've lost it. There was like with home insurance... Oh, um, the only time that you're going to want to have a closer look to at your firearms is if you have very high value firearms or if you have anything that might be classed as antique. Um, that is when you're going to, they'll call it scheduling. So you're going to actually have to provide them with year, make, model, serial numbers, and value. Um, that's, that's normally, that should be the only situation when you should need to schedule firearms onto your home insurance is if they are high value or uh, antique, um, that, that like that type of firearm. Just your regular firearms should they should just go under your contents. Oh, great information. Appreciate yeah. it. There you go. There you go. So uh, we're going to move into the draw for the stove. I know this has been uh, anticipated for a while from a bunch of uh, viewers. We uh, we mentioned it a couple of episodes ago. The uh, the get out, stay out uh, camp stove. They were nice enough to donate one for us to uh, the try out. I gave the review uh, a couple episodes ago, and they donated another one for uh, for a giveaway. So uh, a lot of listeners have written in, and I've got the hat. I've got the names in the hat. Is my name so, in there? 
yeah, name is not you're disqualified. Yeah. So, <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just a guest. Can I go in? <laughs> did, did you enter a couple weeks ago? No, I did not. <laughs> I did. Didn't you get my name? Yeah. <laughs> that falls under the fine print. <laughs> All right, so here we go. All right, so uh-huh. we've got, I don't know if you can see it, but Traveling Prepper. Oh, oh look at that. Traveling Prepper, way to go. So we will get that Ian, off. Ian, is to, that you? Uh, Dilla is not me, actually, believe it or not. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> so Traveling Prepper, you got the, uh, the mini uh, get out, stay out stove, and uh, we'll be in contact to get uh, a shipping address to get it out to you. So congratulations. Congratulations. We, we're going to need some pictures of you using it. It's going to be a good promo. Yep. He, he put a big smiley face on his face for the yep. picture. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, I think we'll move into episode closing then. So uh, we've got okay. some upcoming uh, events there, Ian. Just one last one. Uh, one attempt to get the word out about the ShakeOut BC event on October 17th at 10, 17 a.m. Uh, a bit of an earthquake preparedness uh, event. So there is a website. I'll throw that in the show notes here momentarily. And, um, yeah, so basically it's just uh, raising awareness for uh, earthquake potential, especially on the West Coast, I guess, more than anything else. Um, so, yeah, just thought I mentioned Shaco PC. Awesome. Cool. And move into some shout-outs. Oh, I got one show to mention, just quickly. Yeah, I, didn't, sure. I, didn't think, I didn't really read, the, obviously, the, very well when you said <laughs> that we should talk about upcoming events. Uh, I, mean, not, I mean, not completely around preparedness, but... Um, for those out in BC, more even specifically the Okanagan, uh, November uh, 8 and 9 in Vernon is the BC Snow Show. Oh. Um, so for anyone uh, into snowmobilings, um, snow bikes, that sort of thing. But I know Avalanche Canada has a likes to do a lot of presentations there about avalanche safety. Um, Brent Strand is insanely – like. He, you, he draws – you can be in a hockey rink and he will, he will draw you from the other side of the rink because he'll yell at people because he's just so passionate about safety with Avalanche especially. But, um, and I'll, I'll be at that show as well. We have a booth. We always, always um, uh, support that show. So yeah, that was a, a show coming up November 8, 9 in Vernon. Uh, awesome. for Columbia, the snow show. Hey, are you involved with uh, any sort of Avalanche, uh, sorry, uh, rescue work or something? Did I re- hear you right there? Uh, not directly. I do some insurance oh. for a lot of um, Avalanche safety inspector uh, trainers. As well as like uh, off-road tour guides and stuff like that, like in the snowmobile ATV world. So I am involved with it. Like I know the guys over at Avalanche Canada, we do the insurance for um, uh, some part of their program out of Revelstoke. Um, so we've got a good relationship with them, and I plug them every time I can because not only are obviously it's important because it happens. People will die this winter in avalanches. It's just the reality, especially snowmobilers. It's it's an unfortunate truth, and it's avoidable. It's super avoidable. And if anyone is going to uh, convince you that it's avoidable, Brent is he'll just he'll he'll school you uh, yeah. in the safety on that side of it. So, what do you guys think of what I'm thinking? Podcast episode. Yep, I'm gonna say absolutely. <laughs> so uh, I can put yeah. you in touch with Brent. Yep. <laughs> yeah. If you don't mind, that'd be fantastic. Yep. Awesome. yep. Absolutely can. All, All right. right. We'll, we'll move into some shout outs. Uh, I give a quick shout out to uh, to the local search and rescue unit. Um, they let me tag along for some training, uh, this week. So I got some, uh, a little bit of rescue work under me, some, some knots and climbing and how to not die in the woods. So if you're, if you're looking for some experience with the outdoors, go find your local search and rescue team and volunteer. They always need people. 
Yeah, actually, uh, Gavin from Patriot there, he's uh, he's quite yep. involved with the local search and rescue unit as well. And yeah, manpower is always an issue. So if you're interested in you know doing some pretty yep. easy to access service. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Actually, Hughes does it too, doesn't he? I believe so, yeah. Yeah, of course he does. <laughs> <laughs> what doesn't he do? Yeah, exactly. What doesn't that guy do? Jeez. He's like Captain America or Captain Canuck, I don't know. Anyway, um, okay, I've got a shout-out as well for uh, listener NV35. So uh, he just took the big plunge and signed on the dotted line up to including his life. So I just say, thought I'd say thanks for your service. That's awesome. All right. I'll throw one up there. Just, I'm sorry, I'm not logged in for typing, so that's why I'm, I'm not able to update you guys. But um, I also have a quick shout-out to the firearms associations right now. I know those guys are all fighting big right now um, for gun owners in Canada, so I think they all deserve a shout-out. CSSA, NFA, CCFR. That's yeah, it's, uh, it's kind of up on crunch time, isn't it? There is. Yep. There is. All right, let's move into some email and iTunes reviews. My favorite part. So, uh, with iTunes, we are up to 35 five stars, uh, four, uh, four stars. We've got one, and we've still got that one, uh, one little guy keeping us honest and making sure we know that we're doing things right at one star. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, we've got a new uh, written review from October the 8th. Uh, it's written by Wow, All Names Taken. Uh, it says, as a Canadian living in uh, Southern Ontario, it's nice to know that uh, there are like-minded people, very informative, and you can hear real, real-world experience they have just in the uh, back-and-forth banter. Uh, they have a perfect balance between delivering serious information and uh, lightening up what they can, uh, what can be gloomy topic at times. A perfect podcast to click play, and as long as you you're a long-haul driver, sit back and relax. That's like a we're saying our episodes are a little long. Uh, <laughs> keep up the awesome work, fellas, and uh, be safe out there. So, Go listen to Jocko and tell us that our our our, our podcasts are long. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. I, I feel like I need to have a good cry after listening to Jocko usually because he's so intense. But <laughs> <laughs> I just I always feel so inferior afterwards. Exactly. No matter what, I just what have I done with my life? <laughs> and then we've got uh, a good email here. SEAL training. That was hard. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we've got a bit of an interesting email that uh, came in as well in between all the entries for the uh, the stove draw there. Uh, we've got an email here that says, uh, thank you for a good podcast. Uh, I've listened to several of your episodes and I like it. Uh, this is not the do this or else you will die prepping from the USA. Fairly accurate, I would say. Uh, this person is from Norway, uh, and uh, they don't have any podcasts uh, like ours or YouTube channels uh, similar to uh, the Canadian Prepper podcast. So, uh, so it's very nice to listen to, and it's a down-to-earth podcast. Uh, best regards from Norway, Frode. I hope I'm pronouncing wow. the name correctly. But uh, that's awesome. Well, that's pretty cool. That that might be our first overseas po- uh, overseas review. I believe it might be. I think it is. Cool. There we yeah. go. Well, that's pretty awesome. I like it. All right. With that, I will bring uh, episode number 39 of the uh, Canadian Prepper podcast to an end. Uh, you can find the podcast on iTunes, Podbean, Spotify, and of course, your favorite podcast app. Uh, please help us out. Take a few minutes, submit a review, even if it's a one star. It lets us know we're doing things right. Um, so uh, it helps uh, other people find us as well if it's a five star, the one star, not so much. Uh, you can find us at uh, prepperpodcast.ca and uh, on Facebook, where we're now able to stream live simultaneously while we're streaming to YouTube, which is exciting. That's so cool. Yeah, thanks Very to StreamYard. Cool. 
We do record these shows on StreamYard. Uh, if you want an early peek at the shows, please subscribe to the YouTube channel, Canadian Prepper Podcast. Click the notification tab. That will tell you when we're going live. Uh, you can also find us on Facebook when we're going live, and I believe there's notification for that. And who knows, maybe we'll even find a way to do that on Instagram as well. Uh, if you want to find me, you can find me on Instagram at PPSWO. Uh, drop me a message, say hello, let me know that my uh, let me know that I'm out there too far. Whatever it is. Awesome. Zach, where can everybody find you if they want uh, some more information? I'm assuming you guys will post it up too, just, um, but I've got a couple of different ways. So I've got uh, my email, zedschwing at capricmw.ca. Uh, you can reach me directly, 250-869-3987. There's a toll-free we'll post up there as well, 1-800 number. <clears throat> oh, there it is. Um, firearmlegaldefense.com. We've got all the information on our website for the program itself, claims examples, programmer information, contact information. Um, you can get us on Facebook as well. I try to always post relative news stories that we see coming up as they come in um, and stay connected with people when we go to firearm shows, TACOM, um, <clears throat> CS AAA industry shows, SHOT Show, all that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, multiple ways to get a hold of me. You can message on Facebook as well because I manage that page. So, um, And you're very quick at getting back. I know that. <laughs> you got back to me very quickly. <laughs> try my best. My wife hates it for me, hates me for it, but <laughs> awesome, right, Ian, how are you? Well, you can reach me directly by emailing me at the at gmail.com. And you can also find me on Canadian Patriot Podcast, also available on iTunes and YouTube. There you can find us discussing uh, more government waste, squirreling off on the odd firearms related banter, more so than this one, and exposing the daily loss of freedoms you're facing. Awesome. Uh, so please uh, check out Rapid Survival at uh, rapidsurvival.com. You can get me there in the live chat, of course, while you're buying some prepper gear. Uh, you can also email me at feedback at prepperpodcast.ca while you're still, of course, buying some prepper gear at Rapid Survival. Uh, thanks for joining us and tune in for the next episode. We're going to continue on the, uh, the firearms list here and talk about shotguns in preparedness. So until next time, be prepared, stay safe, and keep learning.